and welcome to the Bright Minds of E-Commerce podcast. I'm Dana, founder of Bright Red Marketing, your e-commerce advertising specialists. We focus primarily on Facebook and Instagram ads, driving direct return on investment only for e-commerce stores. I started this podcast to share the inner workings of the e-commerce world, share success stories, as well as advice from experts. So whether you're thinking of starting your first e-com store or you're ready to scale to $500,000 months, this podcast is for you. So let's get started. Welcome to episode three. Hi, and welcome to the Bright Minds of E-Commerce podcast. Today, we are here with Nikki. Nikki is the director of Collective by Nikki, a personalized jewelry brand. They hand make jewelry that is unique to you. No two pieces are ever the same. And with the dates, names, or initials that matter the most to you, hand stamped onto your necklace, bracelet, earring, or rings, your jewelry will tell your story. Hi, Nikki. We're so happy to have you. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about how Collective by Nikki came to be. I guess there's sort of two separate parts to it. So the first part is I've always been a bit creative. I've always wanted to do something on top of my normal job. I used to work in a bank in a corporate sort of environment and it was awesome. I really liked it, but it was sort of, I really wanted to do something on top of that as well. This is before I had children when I had a lot of time. (laughs) And then I was 38 weeks pregnant, really looking forward to maternity leave. And I got made redundant from my corporate job. And suddenly I thought everything that I sort of foreseen happening, I guess, I was going to be on maternity leave for nine months. I was going to come back and just slot right into my normal job. All of that sort of disappeared. And because I get quite bad anxiety, I didn't want to start at a new workplace with mm. you know building connections establishing a network of sort of people that knew us and knew what I was like and knew that you know you don't call in sick every day like because I'd have a new baby and yeah I got really nervous about all that stuff I'd never had a baby before and I just heard that they were sick all the time <laughs> <laughs> so I sort of didn't know what to do and I thought right okay so I'm going to start something at home and I want to earn $200 a week. So I was like, that was my goal. And I thought $200 a week, that's 10 grand a year. That's like our emergency fund. You know, we might go on holiday. That sort of covers that stuff. And from there, I sort of just started, I guess. I knew what I wanted to make because I'd been thinking about it for a while, but I couldn't afford to start making jewelry. It was too big of a risk, sort of. So what I did instead was I made like little key rings and little other bits and pieces that was a lot, I guess, lower value, so sort of lower value to get started. Mm. And then I did that for 12 months and saved up all of the little bits of profits that I made from that and then started jewelry. And yeah, so that's sort of how it was born, I guess, pretty much because I was too anxious to get a job. (laughs) I guess that's the real reason. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. As someone with you know, anxiety and depression as well. I totally understand. Yes, it does. It overtakes your mind. Yeah. So how did you progress then from key rings and things to, you know, the incredible jewelry products that you have now? Was it just like, how did you transition customers from that? So originally I had an Etsy store and I had everything on there. So I used to make like key rings, bookmarks. I used to make like little shoe tags and stuff because me mom, she runs quite a lot of marathons and she wants, she was like, oh, can I put something on my shoes? So pretty much I just made all little bits and pieces from, for people. And then um, when I started jewelry, I sort of, I took a few days 
and like making stuff, photographing stuff, writing all of the listings and stuff and put them on Etsy along with all of these other bits and pieces. Mm. And I honestly thought, I was like, okay, I'll hit sort of submit on this product and people are just going to start ordering. That's what I thought. But it didn't quite work like that. I think the next order that, you know, I was getting a few orders a day sort of from the other bits and pieces. And then the next order was not jewelry. And then the next order was not jewelry. And then the next order was not jewelry. And then finally someone ordered a necklace and I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then I panicked because (laughs) I'd never actually sort of, I guess, you know, I'd only made for myself and friends and family and stuff. And I was like, it's, I guess, a higher value item. And my husband would come into my workspace, which was just the garage at the time. And he would say like, oh, so someone's buying this from you. And he would even be amazed. So I was like, yeah, I guess amazed myself. But so at first I just sort of tried to sell both of them. And then when it got to the first Christmas, so I started this mid-year and as it got closer towards Christmas and the sales were picking up and I couldn't manage it all myself, I started to drop off what I didn't want to sell anymore. And then from after Christmas, I thought I'm just going to sell just jewelry. And so that's what I did. And I sort of had all these listings on Etsy as a backup in case I didn't get busy enough. But luckily, I never had to use them. And I think it's been maybe three years now. This will be, yeah, three years, I guess, this Christmas. And I think I only just deleted those like, listings off Etsy <laughs> just a few weeks ago, maybe. It was still, yeah, I still sort of thought, what if nobody ever buys a necklace again? (laughs) I'll sell a bookmark. (laughs) Luckily, touch wood. (laughs) Yeah, so you obviously started out on Etsy. How did you kind of get your first real customers rather than, you know, the friends and family customers? So on Etsy, I guess it's sort of like a marketplace in its own. It's like a website, just if you don't know what, Etsy is it's sort of like a handmade marketplace I guess so similar to eBay things like that but everything is either handmade or vintage and so you can go there and you can search for what it is that you're looking for and I guess I was just relying on that I was relying on I guess that traffic to begin with so the traffic that Etsy already bring in and then just hoping that people found me in the searches there's a lot of work behind that with sort of like yeah search engine optimization even on Etsy And so I did a lot of research. You have to do a lot of research around all of these things, I guess, to sort of get the most out of the platform that you're using. Mm. So I would spend hours sort of like reading forums, Googling stuff, watching YouTube videos in like Facebook groups and things. And from there, I'd sort of like with the jewelry, I'd started to have like an Instagram account. I just turned my own Instagram, my personal one into my and so if you go back far enough, you'll just see photos of me and my kids. <laughs> I think there's um, over a thousand photos now, so you'd have to scroll quite far. But I sort of started doing that when I started doing jewellery. And so gradually I'd been sort of building up, I guess, my own traffic. So from Etsy, you can have a website. You can pretty much just duplicate your Etsy store into a website Mm. it's called pattern and it's a function that etsy offer i don't know if they still offer it or if it's the same i'm not sure but i did that so that served its purpose i guess for a little while 
And it sort of proved that people, the majority of people were now not finding me on Etsy. They were finding me through the links that I was putting out there. So the ones from my Facebook and from my Instagram. And then based on that, I then closed that store. Like I stopped using the pattern and just went back to a normal Etsy store and I built my own website. And I remember putting it on Instagram like, hey, I've got a new website. Everyone go and check it out. I'm so excited. And somebody ordered like sort of within half an hour and messaged and were like, yay, I'm the first order on your new website. And I was just like, oh my God, like people are actually looking at what I'm doing and people are reading these captions that's taken me two hours to write and overthinking everything. But it was quite amazing. So since then, I haven't ever sort of looked back. I do still have an Etsy store because I figure why not? Everything's already there. And I guess it's just another sort of channel to sell on. And it takes care of itself. You don't really have to do anything to it. So it sort of just brings in, you know, it might bring in like 20 sales a week, or it might bring in one sale a week. But you know, it's sort of, it's better than nothing. So yeah. And then we have our own store that's sort of separate that I built. So from that first store, like we then sort of upped our game a bit and then made it better and made it better and made it better again. And at the minute, we're actually sort of behind the scenes doing a full overhaul of our website right now, but that won't come out until the new year. Yeah. So I know you said that you did a lot of research into, you know, optimizing that Etsy site. Are there any maybe like one or two big tips that you could share for those that are, you know, on Etsy and maybe not getting the traffic that they're after? Oh, for sure. So probably the best thing. So Etsy allows you to have tags and you can have up to 13 tags on your items. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to use all of those tags and you've got to sort of, I guess, have them relevant to obviously what the product is and think about, so if you think about what you're selling and then think about how, what things people would type in to search for that. So if you were selling, I don't know, like headbands for babies, people might not type in what you would imagine them to. There might be like a first birthday gift. Like people might look at your baby's headbands and think that would make a beautiful first birthday gift. And so that's the sort of things that you've got to try and get into those tags. And then you've got to try and match the tags to your description. And so I think Etsy, I can't remember the exact number, but say it has about 170 characters for the product title. And people just would use, say, baby headband. And that's not going to get found because that title is what connects, like it's pretty much part of the search engine. So if you type in like baby headband, first birthday headband, like white, I don't know, white organza headband, like sort of detail and just keep, it sounds like you're repeating yourself and you definitely are, but I guess that's how you get people to find you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great So that would be my two biggest tips. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Because I know that a lot of people will set up on Etsy and some people by what appears to be magic just do really well. And other people really struggle, but that makes sense. You know, there's a lot of background, you know, research and, you know, things that you can do to yeah. really help that. And I guess like when you search on Etsy, if you were to search for, say, a baby headband, there's going to be thousands and yours has got to come up really well. So what you can see is the photos. So the photos, like 
I guess you need to have like clear and crisp photos. So not again, say patterned backgrounds or anything like that. They just need to look really fresh and very obviously what it is. And the other thing that I just thought of for people in Australia is a lot of people want to search Etsy just for stuff that's in Australia. I know I definitely do. And not everybody uses, there's like a filter where you can see the shop location and not everybody would use that. So what you could do is in your tags, you can put in like Australia. So if people were searching baby headband Australia, then yours would come up. Yeah, because not everybody will use those filters. So that's just some small things. And I guess that's just from me using Etsy because I buy a lot on Etsy as well. And I will search, I will use the filters and it might say the original search might list 17,000 products. And then if you filter for Australia, it might only be 1,000 products or 500 products. And that sort of suddenly gets your competitors. It gets rid of a lot of them. So that's another sort of big thing just from me using Etsy that I would do. Yeah, no, I do the same thing because I don't want to pay the shipping for something from the US. Yeah, and you know the wait times as well. And I guess I also think like, you know, if I'm a small business and I'm trying to support small and local, so I would rather do that myself. Exactly, exactly. Obviously, you're hand making each individual piece. How do you go about managing, I suppose, that workflow and customer expectations rather than, you know, people buying a necklace and expect it gets shipped tomorrow? How do you kind of manage that process? Oh, that's a hard one. And I don't think that it's ever going to be perfect. I think that sometimes customer expectations can be really hard to manage. Obviously, we will sell things that's sort of handmade and unique. But then the sort of people will select, say, express course and expect that it's going to be there the next day. So things that we sort of try and do is we have every way that we can, we have sort of our turnaround times. And so even when it goes to checkout and you've got to choose your postage options, we'll sort of list them as in express post and then have in brackets plus making and dispatch time. And we sort of hope that these sort of things try and, I guess, filter out the miscommunications and like we'll have like our turnaround times on our Instagram. So even when those turnaround times go up, we'll up it on our Instagram, say at Christmas and Mother's Day. So we try and be very clear, I guess. And we also send an email. So when you purchase the product and you get like your order confirmation, we see in, in the order confirmation as well, like approximately how long it'll take for us to dispatch it. Mm. We often work way ahead of our dispatch times. So I know that say today, uh, we're working on orders that have a seven to 10 day dispatch uh, businesses. So that can be say like, I guess a week and a half to two weeks. Mm. And we're sort of currently turning them around in about a week and even lower than that. So when we send things out, in a couple of days, those will be things that were just ordered five days ago, like five, including the weekend. Yeah, so we try and, I guess, always overestimate, I guess, what it's going to be and sort of, yeah. Yeah, but um, by doing that by proxy, when your customers get them a little bit early, that makes them a little bit happier because they were expecting it to be two weeks. Yeah. If you need the full two weeks, then you've kind of managed those expectations as best you can. 
Yeah, and I think um, there is, and I do it myself, everybody wants things quite quickly and I'll order things and want it quickly as well. So I guess it's just trying to sort of be clear and upfront and even like on Etsy, when you get an Etsy order, it'll tell you how many days you've got to ship it. And when you've got like two days left to ship, it'll turn it to red and see like due in two days. Yeah. But when your items take three to five days, then when you're two days left, you're still well within, you're like you're only at the start of your estimate, but I panic and I'm like, oh my God, I've got to get this out now. So I guess it's also trying to try and sort of understand like yourself that like you're not running late. And yeah, so whilst we try our best to get it out beforehand, like if we get it out within our time frame, then that's perfectly good. Like that's yeah. like we're doing well. Like the only time where we should really panic is if we're not. But yeah, I guess it can be hard to manage for us and for customers. But so I, we just try and plaster it everywhere pretty much. Give them all the information. They can make the decision as they go. Yeah, that's right. I like it. I like it. So I know that pricing is a really big issue for a lot of handmade businesses. I see them all the time in Facebook groups, you know, complaining, not complaining, but questioning how people can make money and they've calculated it and they're only making, you know, $5 an hour, but they don't want to put their prices up. I know that you have now, you know, expanded your business to having staff and you're moving into a new space. All of that's really exciting, but that obviously means you've got your pricing I suppose, in a, a really good situation. What would be maybe your suggestion to those starting out in terms of how to price your products so that you can still, you know, run a business effectively? This is a really difficult question to answer and it definitely depends on the product that you're making. And I guess because certain people value certain products, say for jewellery, we have quite competitive pricing. We actually sell, say, cheaper than the like the big jewelry stores, like the Michael Hills and stuff, we are usually cheaper than those stores and we can usually deliver faster. But when it comes to things like, say, there's a lot of handmade clothing and things like that, that's really hard because people don't always have the same sort of expectations on price. I mean, you go to Kmart, you can pick up a t-shirt for $5. So people think that that's how much a t-shirt should cost. So I guess I guess when you're sort of starting out in business, you really need to look at what it is, like what your brand is about, what it values. You know, are you a sustainable sort of brand and sort of really sell those points and also look at who your customers are. If you're trying to sell to someone that wants to pay $5 at Kmart and you're making a handmade shirt that costs $50, then you've got to aim towards the customer that's got to pay for that. Yeah. And you've got to sort of, I guess, try and market it for that person as well, rather than the Kmart person. And with that, I guess you always start off, you obviously try and get like great suppliers with competitive sort of pricing. And I would look into detail as to how much everything costs you. So how much time, how much you want to earn an hour, look at your overall, I would always have targets. And then you've also got to factor in time for admin. The admin in a business takes hours hours and hours so if, for instance the lead up to Christmas now I haven't been doing much admin because I've been making as well as the rest of the team because I really have to we need so sort of everybody to make 
and the admin is taking forever. And I think people, when I start in business, they don't factor in that they need to get paid for those hours. And that's a big thing. Yeah. So I guess before you start your business, I would really look at what it is that you want to make, who like you research what you can sell it for, make sure that that's something that people are going to pay for. And then almost not get sad about the people that don't want to pay for that. Yeah. So if you're selling baby clothes, I know I buy lots of handmade baby clothes for Aspen. I also do buy things from Kmart because I can't send Aspen to daycare in a $50 romper from like, she's just going to trash it. So yeah, I would try and stick by your values, I guess, and value your time. And then I know that some brands as well, some handmade brands, especially in say the clothing area, they'll outsource it once they get sort of a foot in the door, they've got an audience, they've got a customer base, and then start looking to outsource whatever you can. So that's what I would be doing if I was sort of in that space. But I guess it is a hard question. It is a hard question to answer. And it depends what your goals are. So before you start, I would always sort of sit down and work out, you know, how much money you want to make, like what you're going to sell, how much you can sell it for, what it costs you, what other sort of time it's going to put into it and sort of factor in all these things and then see if you've got a product because you might not necessarily have something that people are going to pay for or have something that's different enough that there's a place for it in the market. So there's, I guess there's all those things, but pretty much as well, if somebody says, because I'm in a lot of Facebook groups of handmaidens and a lot of them will be say stay-at-home moms who they're not wanting to start a big business. They're just wanting to sort of earn like a wage whilst they stay at home and work around their children. And that's awesome. But that's sort of, I guess, when you go into that, you've got to understand that that's what your target is. And then you can obviously price things accordingly and value your time accordingly. And their time's worth just as much. But what I'm saying is that they might not want to, you know, make 50 items a week. They might just want to make a, a handful of things to get them through. But yeah, so I guess I would factor in all of these things before you start and look at what people are prepared to pay and sort of work out if you can fit in that before you start. And if somebody tells you that something's too expensive, then I wouldn't worry. They're not your customer. Because I used to get quite upset by that. Not upset, but even now people message me all the time asking for a discount code all the time. And it used to sort of be like, oh, like, oh, do you not, do you not think that it's worth full price? And it's honestly, it's, it's not that it's not a personal thing. It's really hard to sort of take your emotions away from that. And yeah, but I guess that's ultimately what you've got to do. There's a lot of harsh lessons in business, a lot of harsh lessons. Yeah, I think you're right though. I think it comes down to making sure you do the math and making sure that you've included all of the variables because I think a lot of people get stuck in, I'm going to make this and I only want to make a little bit of like pocket money on the side, but then they don't work out that if they're only making, you know, two or three a week with a certain profit margin and then all the admin time, it works out that they're only earning like, five dollars an hour yeah at that point yeah I've seen exactly that in Facebook groups and it's like you know you really need to up your price then or change your product to something that's a simpler design it doesn't take so long to make or something that you can outsource or 
yeah. a different, you know, potential customer that's willing to spend more on it so you can put your prices yes. up. Yes. Sort of things. But it is also, I mean, there's a lot of handmade stores out there that are just killing it. And, you know, the people are obviously willing to pay those prices. Like, obviously, there's stores out there that are killing it. I buy from them all the time. I get so sucked in by all the cute little baby things. But it's um, true though. Like there's the kind of people that only ever want to buy things at Kmart and then there's the people that go and spend $20,000 on a handbag, get Gucci or whatever yes. it is. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, you can, like, people will pay the price if they see the value in it. So sometimes it's a marketing That's thing, exactly sometimes right. it's a value thing. And it's how I guess then you market yourself is to like, you know, if you are, I know there's, say, a lot of sustainable swimwear and stuff around mm-hmm. at the minute that's made from, say, like recycled plastics and stuff. That's all awesome. I'm very much a person that will go to a website and read the About Me section. I'll do it all the time now. Um, never used to, but now I definitely do. And sometimes after I've been following someone for a while on Instagram and then I read the About Us, I'm sort of like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. I would always make sure that your key messaging is just all over the place because that's what people want to know and that's when they can start seeing the value in things as well. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I know with a lot of handmade artist kind of products, they end up dealing with a lot of copycats. Have you had to deal with much of that? (laughs) We do, we do. There's this sort of fine line, I guess, between... So we make initial necklaces, we make bar necklaces. There's a fine line sort of between like what sort of copying. I've sort of questioned it myself a few times. I come up with like, I try and come up with, I guess, unique patterns and things. We have had to send a couple of emails to people that have copied our content from our website. So they went to our website and copied and pasted everything that I've written. So that's a very obvious one. Because you simply can't do that. You can't take someone else's content and claim it as your own. And then there's the sort of, so there's that part of it, I guess. And then the second part of it is sort of in terms of design of products. So industry or in the market that I'm sort of in, there is similar brands out there. There definitely is. There's brands that are sort of, I guess I use the terms like sort of, I guess the same is what we sell and the same sort of quality. And then there's brands that sell sort of inferior quality. That sounds like not a very nice word, but that's, I guess, how to describe it. It's maybe not I mean, it's the, the truth, right. No, you just, use, yeah. Like real, like everything. We use like precious real. metals. Yeah. yeah. And so then there's obviously companies that will sell things that sort of just plated things that, you know, will last for a couple of months. And that's, again, that's fine because there's a market for that. There's market for people that don't want to sort of pay for sort of, like they want to have the cheaper option sort of thing. Yeah. And they don't mind that. But yeah, I guess what we sort of come up against is there's the fine line between like design. So, you know, you've got a necklace, you've put someone's initials on it, like it's been done to death sort of thing. Like I wouldn't even know where to begin on who originally started this. and then. Yeah, so I guess it's sort of trying to be different. It's trying to make different products or even if you make the same product, trying to sort of stand out for a reason or it's definitely a hard one. I feel like I've completely screwed this question. No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. It was a great answer. 
How did you deal with, you know, people blatantly stealing content from your website? That was a hard one and it still is a hard one. We still have a couple of issues where um, we have even like our Instagram content, things like that sort of. And if I'm honest, I don't really know what to do because it's not something that I would personally do. And so it's sort of hard to put yourself in someone else's shoes when you just, you can't sort of, yeah. yeah, Is this the kind of thing where you've like sent cease and desist letters or there's just not much you can do about it? When the copy our content, I've never luckily touched wood had to get our lawyers involved for cease and desist just yet. I generally try and send an email myself first because I guess I think I try and be a nice person. I try and be kind and I try and always be reasonable. And I sort of think I try and give people that chance to sort of, I guess, take it, yeah, to do the right thing and sort of just take it down and replace it. I once had a lady that, emailed asking a few questions about how I made things and she was in South Africa and I thought oh well that's not my market so you know I don't really get many orders for South Africa so I'll help her like why not so I started writing back and then I thought oh I'll just have a look at her website and just see sort of where she's up to and she had all my photos on her website and I sort of was like oh dear (laughs) Um, so I was like delete what I've wrote and then I was like please take down my copyright from your website and people do I guess I don't know people don't think about things themselves my only advice to people is to just even if you're going into a market that's saturated or there's very similar products out there I guess my advice is to just be yourself be your own individual because that. I'm very, I think I'm a very genuine person. I'm a very honest person and I'm a huge oversharer. Anyone that follows my Instagram, they'll see photos of me, photos of my kids. They'll know all about sort of my anxieties, like what hair straightener I'm using, all <laughs> sorts of stuff. I just sort of, I like, I really enjoy the connection with people and I hope that that comes across to our followers and our customers. I'm also a very reasonable person, I'd say. And I think that being that sort of genuine, like authentic self is great. So I think that when you do something because someone else is doing it, you lose that. So, and that's something that you can't mimic. So you can't guess somebody else's next step. So I guess my only advice is to just completely do your own thing. Don't worry about what anybody else is doing. I know there's people out there selling bar necklaces. There's people out there selling initial net. I don't worry about what they are doing. I wish them best of luck. Sometimes if somebody asks me, you know, like, can you get this to America in however many days? And I'll say no, but there's this person over here in America that should be able to help you. Yeah. And I sort of wish them best of luck. I just think that being yourself and being genuine and authentic and running your own race is like the biggest the biggest part of it and then when you're successful you can see that it's your own success yeah um, and you're and a you're not, perspective that's the best way of doing things anyway yeah and you don't want to be like who wants to sort of sit and be like oh I don't know what to make next I'll let let me see what this girl over here does and then I'll try and do the same thing oh, I don't know what to write on Instagram let me see what this girl over here is doing 
nobody wants to be like that, I guess. And people notice as well, because quite a lot of my followers have messaged me about a company that's sort of done very similar things. This was actually how I came across one that had um, taken our content from our website because a lady went to our website, went to the other website and said, it's exactly the same as mine and then messaged me. And it, that happens a lot and people notice. And this is a person that I've never met before. She's just a customer. It's not a friend customer. And she's taken the time to message me. And so people notice and people don't like that. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's not a selling point. So I would look at what is a selling point and what is a selling point is yourself. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Just focus on what you're doing and don't worry about everyone else. Yeah, just run your own race. People like that. And, and it's honestly a much better headspace to be in when yeah. you just forget about what everybody else is doing. Yeah. So I know that the last time we spoke, which I think was a couple of years ago now, you were yeah. still just doing things on your own. You know, it was very exciting. You were you know, really busy. Uh, and when we talked before we started recording today, you said you've got a team of six now and you're moving into commercial space. How did you find that transition from solo to you know running a team of staff oh my goodness how long have you got it was, <laughs> I seriously struggled with it I'm not a very good leader I tell my entire team all the time I'm not a very good boss it's sort of like the hashtag shit boss that would be me because I'm way too anxious so I'm not very good at giving people negative feedback I'm not very good at sort of I guess feeling as if I've let somebody down or so there's lots and lots of lots of things like that I just I'm a people pleaser I want to keep everybody happy and I want to make sure everyone on my team is happy when everything's going great that's great but it's even sort of small things like oh look I would have done that differently that I used to really struggle with that it's gotten a lot better because I have to I have to I'd have to do it every day and I also have a really really good very understanding team and they're sort of, I guess, they're sort of happy with the way that I sort of manage them and they're sort of happy that I'm quite open and stuff and I don't have to have sort of hard conversations with them because they're a really good team. So yeah. that's good. But in terms of even processes, letting things go yourself, like letting things go from me doing it to having someone else do it and they might do it a slightly different way to you, I hugely struggled with that. I mean, we've currently got over 500 orders outstanding. And so I cannot, I used to know everybody, like I used to know what everybody wanted. And I used to think, okay, this person, like, you know, Karen needs this by Thursday. So let's get that one out. Like this is for like Lisa's grandchild who's due whenever. Let's get this one out. But now with like over 500 orders, I simply can't be that person. So even coming to terms with that was hard and expanding, like trying to, because I try and be sort of, sort of genuine and and real on our social media. And I try and sort of share sort of our story and things. So even sharing stuff like that, I think I'm a, how do I go about it when it's not just me anymore? And you know, it's not just me that writes Facebook, writes Instagram captions anymore there's lots and lots of things I sort of think am I coming across as disingenuine which is a really big really something that I don't want to do something that I never want to do so there's all these little different pots I guess of like how is this possibly going to work and then I just hired somebody and I guess just started and 
they were really good like really good to work with and I sort of explained at the beginning like you know everything that you see here has just been made up by me like it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way to do it but it's definitely the way that works so yeah I just get my staff I guess to work with us and it's been hard and it's been really hard and like I've cried and I've got frustrated and all of the emotions but honestly it's really good now it has been tough to get here and lots of learning there's just learning curves everywhere you look but I knew that because I guess I do get that anxiety I knew that it would always be something I would struggle with so I sort of almost when I um, interview people I sort of try and work out who I could work with who would work well with my personality and whose personality would obviously fit in the team as well as well as their skills So that's sort of something that I've learned to do a lot better, I think, and we'll be hiring again in January. So I guess I'll take all of the learnings, I guess, from the last few rounds of hiring and hopefully we'll add another really great team member. So that would be good. Amazing. It's such an exciting journey because I know you started out and it's just, you know, I just want to make $200 a week and now you're, you know, shipping out 500 orders before Christmas. It's, it's huge yeah. growth and it's very exciting and inspiring. It is. When I look at, like, when we started, I used to have a little toolbox, like a guy's toolbox, and it would sit next to the kitchen table. And then every time I went to work, I would sort of take all my tools out and get all the bits and pieces and then upgrade into, like, uh, just a desk. I think it was from, like, Aldi or something, like this desk from Aldi in my garage. And I was so chuffed just to have my own space. <laughs> yeah, and now we're sort of about to move into a commercial building that's, like, more than three times the size of my entire garage. <laughs> and I sort of think, oh, God, how did I get here? I'm not even really a responsible person. I'm not sure how I'm doing this every day. <laughs> But But I think that's really important for people to hear because everyone thinks everyone's got it together and everyone's got this grand plan and everyone knows exactly what they're doing. But to hear from you that you've gone from, you know, working at home with your toolbox to moving into a giant commercial space and you're still like, how did this happen? Like what what's going on? Like that's really, I suppose, comforting to other small business people and go, look, I don't have to have all the answers. I can just keep trying. And it's really great. And I think that that's the truth. Like, I think that it's very much people say to me all of the time, like, oh, I don't know how you manage it with kids and stuff. And I sort of think, I don't think I really do manage it very well. I obviously get done what needs to get done, but I feel very thinly stretched a lot. And Mm -hmm. I do definitely, I don't sit here confidently and think, oh, you know, the next 12 months are going to be awesome. It's a lot of worrying and it's a lot of, you know we'll have a sale and then it's a joke in the office that if we put a sale out it's sort of like at the end of the day I'll say right okay so do we think that anyone's gonna order tomorrow when the sale's over (laughs) and then everyone's like no we'll be fine Nikki we'll be fine so that's it it's a lot of that it's a lot of and I think I voice my concerns quite a lot and by voicing them because when you put it like when you say it out loud you realize that maybe it is a bit ridiculous and then you can have people tell you like whether it is or whether it isn't and that really helps yeah and you've so, got a team that can kind of cross-check you now too and be like, yeah oh, uh-huh. and, you're fine. <laughs> and it sort of seems silly like you know I'm supposed to I guess in the when people think of like 
maybe like a successful businesswoman, which I can't believe I've maybe just referred to myself as, but you know maybe I am (laughs) (laughs) and then when people sort of imagine that they probably don't imagine me wearing my pajamas to work and sort of having like worrying out loud to my staff and that sort of thing like it's sort of I think it's real and it's human and I think that's what's so exciting about the way business is going these days is that you can do that and that yeah doesn't take away you can go to work in your pajamas and still be a successful businesswoman Yes, that's but you're right. Not like exclusive. That's exactly right. right. I might wear a blazer over the top of my pajamas, maybe. <laughs> I love it. Someone needs to do like Peter Alexander pajamas for women <laughs> who are going to work, so that, that they can is like the best idea. Look, look like they're working, and it's not so bad if you have to like jump on a call meeting, but you're still technically in your pajamas. So if anyone listening is looking for maybe like a niche market, there you go. We've just like, given you a business uh, idea. Yeah. I'd love some credit and you need to come on the podcast eventually. <laughs> you de- Yes, that's right. We should, uh, maybe we'll put shares or something in. Yeah. Well, and I will definitely be a customer, obviously. Exactly. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Before we wrap up, is there any other, you know, advice, experiences that you can share that you think would help people listening? I guess nothing, not one thing jumps out. It's just, I think that in order, if I think about how I got here, I think it's a lot of hard work, an incredible amount of hard work and sort of researching. You know, I spent hours like I am quite an obsessive person and I'll get up through the night and spend hours researching, you know, suppliers or sort of better websites or what else I can do um looking at like what is even like what is search engine optimization like all of these things I never knew any of this I guess you've just got to learn and put the time and the hard work in I honestly think that most people who are successful they didn't just fall into it it's been a conscious decision as to how much you want to focus on this and that's what's got you where you are yeah yeah, so I guess that's sort of my biggest thing. And oh, actually, something that I am really good at is strategy. And I'm very good at making targets and budgeting. Yeah, that is a huge thing. I often sort of, I mean, even like when I started, like I say, I wanted to make $200 a week. I would never go into anything blindly and not know what I want to get out of it. Yeah. And so I think that that's a key thing. Like you need to look and decide what it is because how will you know if you've met your targets if you don't have any targets how will you know if you're on track if you've got nothing to go against that is what I find that not a lot of people when I talk to actually sit down and do so we have every January we have a new strategy every June we sort of have like I guess not as big a new strategy but for the financial year we sort of like sort of hone in on like different things that sort of goes by the financial year like our turnover and stuff and it is so important so so important and yeah that's what I would do I would have targets for absolutely everything I love that because you can't really you, you can get stuck in business if you think you're going somewhere but you don't know when you actually get there so I think that's a, a really great tip I suppose um, I yeah, think it's really important, especially when you're starting out, like knowing that you want to, you know, make $200 a week, then you can feel like you've got somewhere rather than just selling things and you never really know where you are. Yeah. So that was, I hope I've maybe been some help to someone out there. <laughs> 100%. We've got three last little questions. 
Oh, yeah, um, We ask every podcast guest, do you have any secret strategies, routines, or habits that you follow every day in your business personally uh, that kind of keep you on track? Oh, my God. I honestly don't. So I am I'm probably the most disorganized, organized person ever. I'm like a hurricane. I don't really have. What I work on is prompts. So yeah. I've got this system that I don't know, maybe I invented it. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. But everything I do is done by prompts. So like I will never I will never get rid of something until I've either done it or I've got another prompt to do it. And so I will say I will never get rid of a customer's email until it's finished or until it's in their ballpark to, to message me back. And that's, that'll be my prompt. All sorts of things like that. So I work on that sort of system a lot. And that's in my personal life as well. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Apart from that, I, will, I would look like a hurricane most days. Yeah, it often looks like I'm disorganized, but I don't often miss things. I don't know how because I don't have a great system. But <laughs> so I think not having the great system, I think your prompting system is good. Like you keep things around so they remind you to do them later. Like I think you can't still run a business like you run a business and be, it's more like organized chaos, I'd, I'd say. Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I, I like do. It. It's somewhere in my head. Yeah. It's just maybe not at the forefront and it doesn't obviously look like that. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. Do you have a favorite business book? You know what? I really don't. <laughs> I don't really have very much time for reading books at the minute. I did subscribe to that audio book. Yep. And I went for six months without using any of my credits. So then they <laughs> sent me a reminder to use the credits. So then I bought a book on sleep. <laughs> and how to get them all out of sleep because I don't get much but I haven't listened to that yet <laughs> so yeah I'm obviously not a great book reader yeah. right now at this point in life but so I couldn't recommend any sorry that's all right uh, favorite podcast this is a good one so it's <laughs> it's probably case file you know <laughs> the, the true crime one yeah. I listen to those a lot yeah I quite like true crime so I listen to quite a few of those and then there's a few business ones, like maybe the obvious ones like Lady Startups. That's quite interesting one. The girl that started Kiki K, she does a podcast on that. And I found that one quite interesting. And then there's like serial and stuff. It's quite, yeah, I'm into a lot of the true crime. So <laughs> I have enough problems double checking doors at night without listening to true crime. But I love that everyone else seems to love them. <laughs> yes, there is. It seems to be a big genre at the minute. Everybody seems into them. So which is good because it doesn't make me feel as weird. <laughs> no, you're definitely not weird. And you're not the first person to mention it on our podcast. So you're definitely not weird. <laughs> and if people want to see more about your products, you know, check it out, you know, buy a, a necklace for themselves. What's the best way for them to find you? Probably on our website, which is um, www.collectivefindnikki.com.au. Our Instagram or Facebook is also Collective by Nikki. And we also have a discount code for any listeners here. So it's bright red 15. It's collective with a K. So it's K-E-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E and Nikki N-I-K-K-I. And we will yeah, put everything in the, the show notes for everyone just in case. That's good because I probably have the worst named business ever, <laughs> especially with my accent, the way that I pronounce my E's and my E's. Pretty much <laughs> nobody knows what I'm saying. But okay. 
That's what links are for. So thank you <laughs> very much good. for joining us on the show. It's been a pleasure having you um, and you shared some really great advice. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you. I hope I helped. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the third episode of the Bright Minds of E-Commerce podcast. If you want to read today's transcript or to find Nikki's website, please head on over to our show notes. You can find them at www.brightredmarketing.com.au forward slash show notes forward slash episode three. The link will also be in the episode description. If you like the show, I'd love for you to leave a review. We're brand new, so each review helps us to grow our audience, which means we can get more amazing guests for you to listen to. Also on the show notes page is a section for questions. We'll be launching our first Q&A episode shortly, so we'd love to feature your questions. Or if you know of someone who'd make a great guest on the show or you want to join us, you can use that section to apply. Thank you so much for listening. Chat again next week. Thank you.